Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever this is episode 252 of the Tree Talk podcast. So much to get through, as always, Matt. We had the final round in most of the Harlan Championships. The weather caused a bit of chaos. We're still outside in the fixtures to play. We know who our quarterfinalists are in the Senior Championship. We're looking forward to them this weekend. We've ladies football to look back on with Komogi look forward to and we've two special guests joining us straight away so stay tuned for all that and more impression again we get old with what you put into it's like a walk of life if you're good enough go out and get it no more about it but not so much control in the center of the field from Phil Kenny as Richie Bennett sends it high and over the bar your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound's worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence you can't get the pound's worth of goods can you just about kept in oh well Charlie Buckley Give that to Tommaso Shea. He deserves to score from here. One of the highlights of the second game. Let me out there from the World Court today. No more about him. They made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the bar in the back of it. And that's it. No ifs, no buts. Is there much time left? No sympathy in this game for anybody. Matt, we'll waste no time introducing our guests this morning. We have Liam O'Brien and James London, co-authors of 1973, Keeping the Dream Alive, uh, a book that's coming soon. I presume many of you have heard about it, but it will chronicle Limerick's 1973 All-Ireland success. Lads, good morning. Thanks very much for coming on. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Good morning, good. lads. How are Tell you? Good night. I suppose for anyone that doesn't know about the book, this is just the cover. So you might have seen it. You might have seen the interviews with uh, the likes of J.P. McManus and those at the, I think it was the day of the, the Cork game when we when we didn't maybe expect that foreign road to come to fruition. But talk to us maybe, Liam, about the, the origin of this book because for, for people looking at Limerick Harden at the moment, they mightn't realise that there was a, a fairly lengthy Barren spell in, in Limerick, and I think the premise of the book is 1973 was so important to, as its title, keep that dream alive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Jack. The, the motive for the book was, um, I suppose, now in the wake of this last five or six years of fantastic uh, glory and prestige that this current generation have brought to us, that it's become increasingly obvious that. The one All Ireland we won between 1940, the golden era of, of the Mackey era in the 30s and 40s, and 2018, the current era, the one All Ireland we won in the 78 years was in 73. And that's huge. I think, if, by comparison, if you look at the likes of Cavan and Mayo in football and maybe Watford and Hurling, the gaps that they have have probably stretched too long. Whereas with the 73 group, I mean, I wasn't born in 73. I was born a couple of years later. Um, James was, 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 was alive, but he was too young to remember. But these lads, I remember all of them playing with their clubs. A lot of them played football as well with their clubs. I remember most of them playing with Limerick. And they were still heavily involved socially. Willie Moore was my teacher in Sexton Street. Um, I went to the same primary school in Roxbury and Grimes did. I went to school in Sexton Street. All the photos were on the walls. So these guys were still role models and hugely influential figures. And if you think about the likes of Eamon Cregan would have coached so many of the current generation between Mary Immaculate College and um, uh, the academy as well. 
um, the link was still very strong, even though it was 45 years and we all know how long it was and how tough it could be at times. So we felt that in light of the recent success in particular, that uh, we marked the 50th anniversary by remembering this fantastic bunch of, of players. Yeah, certainly a fantastic bunch. James, I suppose you, you had no issues getting on board to, to look back on what was a pretty incredible year when you consider it does bridge a 78-year gap. Absolutely, Jack. Uh, Liam came, in, came to me with the idea uh, last January. I was working on a much larger book, believe it or not, even though this book weighs in at nearly 528 pages. I was actually working, I am working, still working on a book, which would have been the history, the, the statistical history of Limerick uh, hurling. So Liam came to me in January and said, would you be interested in doing a book like that? I thought for a while and then I pretty much had all the tools already at my disposal. I have all the programs, I have all the magazines, I have a lot of newspapers. Um, I had the knowledge already. I had already built in a statistical or built up a statistical uh, database of the people who had played before and after 73. So it was a perfect fit, having pretty much all the data I needed at my ha uh, you know, to hand. Uh, the project progressed along with that. Uh, Neem has always been the, 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 you know, the creator of the project. He has, he's the editor. And then we dragged in um, um, a great gentleman called Niall Deegan. Who is uh, who has been also the research, a researcher on the project, but also the designer. In in this day and age, you know, when you're printing books, you must have a very good designer who is part of the project. And he's done absolutely wonderful book as, uh, and wonderful work on the book, as you will see when it it is published. The the book is absolutely brilliantly designed, brilliantly presented, and will be brilliantly published or printed by Cube. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I've what seen, we did I've after seen. that was basically we constructed. Go on, you constructed. You've seen, you've seen. The last I have, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful book from what I, I've seen. Liam has obviously sent me the, the soft copy of it, and I'll, I'll just show through, through pictures here. But Liam, maybe tell us how hard or how easy was it to get these, these photos? You know, well, I know James said he has the, the, the magazine or the programs and things, but must have been a lot of digging to go out and, and, and find the likes of these pictures you see there the first one against Tipperary and Munster and this is the Munster final I believe that's right yeah so um Niall thought it would certainly be um photographs if you if you look at that first image actually if you wouldn't mind putting it up again please Jack this was something from the Limerick Leader archive and it wasn't in great shape it was in black and white and as you can see Niall has restored it brilliantly into a two-page fold uh, and 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 subtly and, and very uh, very stylishly colorized the photo. Now, this is the National Hurling League semi-final replay in Burr between Limerick and Tipperary, which went to a replay. As we all know, Limerick and Tipperary in the first five or six years of the 70s had a phenomenal uh, rivalry uh, with, with games just uh, uh, on the edge of a coin, you know, all of them. But uh, yeah, we, we, we had to dig deep. Uh, we got some wonderful photos from, from Michael Martins in Jerry Griffin Street, who gave us some wonderful black and white images from the All-Ireland Final. We also got them from the Tipperary Studies in Powerless. Uh, they actually had uh, a priest called, I think, Father Kennedy, who took handheld camera colour photographs from the Munster Final that were never seen before, not to the public anyhow. And we also got it from uh, the Irish Photo Archive, the Limerick Leader, lots of other sources. That wonderful black and white image of the parade from the uh, 1973 Munster final, that one there, yeah. We got that from the, the Cork Examiner, the Irish Examiner now. Um, a fantastic photo, as you can see there. It just perfectly encapsulates a Munster final in Thurlis, you know, and the tension in all the players' faces as well. 
So uh, definitely the the book has many features. Uh, it's almost like two or three books in one in that you can, through the reportage of the time, read the story of the whole 1972-73 National Hurling League and championship seasons with the challenge games as well. But also visually, from a visual viewpoint, uh, there's over 350 images in that book. And I would I would wager there's most people wouldn't have seen two-thirds of what we have in there. Yeah, the one image that sticks out for me that you sent is definitely this one. And it's the team basking their glory on the Hogan step. And it's, it's I suppose it puts into context just how long it was from 1973 to 2018 when you see that it, it's black and white and you see what the people are wearing. But a brilliant, brilliant photo. Um, I don't know, have you seen this one before, Matt? It's one that definitely stuck out to me. No, no, I, ha I haven't seen it before, but it, it, it certainly is, is, is uh, a fantastic, fantastic photograph that absolutely captures the day. But Jack, before I say anything else, I would like to congratulate the lads on what is a fantastic production. I, I have seen a soft copy of it and it, 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 it is absolutely fantastic. And I have a bit of an advantage over you three guys in that I actually lived through every moment of it dare I say, and was at every, every every one of those matches. And I also lived through the 60s when we had a very, very fallow period. The first time I saw Limerick playing was in 1960 when we got beaten 10-9 to 2-1 in Cork and I got cried all the way home to Dunroo, um because for some reason I had expected Limerick to win. But um, the 60s were a poor decade for Limerick. Apart from that landmark victory in 66 when we beat Tipperary, which, which was a bit of a shock, and uh, Limerick unleashed Eamon Cregan and the unsuspecting hurling world. But, um, like, I, I suppose um, the, 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 the basis of the start of, of, of 73 perhaps was in, in, in the league win in 71. When, when we won the league down in the athletic grounds, it was for the first time in 24 years we, we, we hadn't won the league since 47. And of course, in the 30s, we were, we, we were the league specialist, winning five in a row. And how nice it would be now if we put five championships in a row. Um, to, to be, they'd be a very, very nice pair sitting beside each other as a record. But we won that league in 71. Hopes were high. Monster Championship beat Cork uh, in the semi-final by a couple of points and went on and... and um, uh, got beaten in that famous or notorious, whatever way you like to call it, uh, dry ball day in, 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 in Killarney by Tipperary. And um, 72 then went out to Clare. So, but at the same time in 72, we got to the league final and were beaten by Cork by a couple of points. 73 got to the league final again, got beaten by Wexford in Croke Park. After having beaten Wexford, mind you, in the group stages in NSD. So, like, you know, Limerick were a bit under the radar, if you like, in, 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 the, in, in 1973 in the championship. There wasn't terrible expectations having lost the Clare in 72, then beat him in 73, and then um, beat, um, beat Tipperary in, the, in, in that famous monster final um, with Richie Binnis's last-minute puck, which similar in, in many ways to the, the way we had won the league in 71 with a last-minute puck again from the same player. And um, then we had, of course, um, while we were beating um, while we were beating 
Tipperary in the Munster final in Tullis and basking in the glow of it. Away from there, there was a big surprise result unfolding in that London were beating Galway in the All-Ireland quarterfinals. So that set, up a, that set up a semi-final between Limerick and London, which was played in Ennis. And of course, I suppose the whole game was overshadowed by the fact that here you had Eamon Ray, full, full forward for Limerick, and his brother Gray, full back for, 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 for London. Now, it didn't transpire as such, from what I recall on the day in Ennis, that they, that they actually marked each other. But... Um, and then we went on to the All-Ireland final and you had the, the big narrative going into the All-Ireland final was Eddie Dare was out, um, uh, Pat Delaney was doubtful, Kieran Purcell was also out. And I suppose to a certain degree, it, 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 it swung the pendulum in Limerick's favour. But I would contend vehemently to this very day that no matter who was on the field for Black and Amber that day, that Limerick would have won because they put up such a performance it was an absolutely memorable day, not in great conditions now, mind you, um, because I remember being uh, returning to my accommodation in Dublin like a drowned rat, but I, um, I, I didn't realise I was wet, such, such was the excitement. And like suddenly you were thinking of heralding a new dawn for Limerick, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. Beat Waterford in the Munster Championship the following year, went on and beat Clare comprehensively in the final and of course, Kilkenny exacted revenge um, in '74. But during that period, I think we appeared in four national league finals in a row. So, like we, we were, we were really knocking at the door. We only won one. We beat Tipperary in the first, lost to Cork in the second, lost to Wexford in the third, and lost to Cork in the fourth. But I, I think from having uh, read through um, uh, the soft copy of the book that the lads have absolutely captured the whole the whole 1973 thing to an absolute T. And I say to them again, lads, well done. Thank you, Matt. There's, there's you, a memory there. There's a, a summary a summary of the book there from Matt. Thanks in for a, your kind words, words, Matt. Much appreciated. Um, was there anything, lads, in the, I suppose, in your research that, Surprised you maybe, or you didn't know because I know you're you're heavily invested in Limerick Hurling, but it is it is so long ago. It's a, it's completely different, you know, generation time, no phones or anything like yeah. that. Was there anything yeah. that that stuck out for me in the research well, uh, creating the book? James actually found out an interesting fact about Jackie Power, didn't you, James? That many people might know about his role, what his official role was. In the old days, uh, guys, uh, as Matt will re remember. Uh, you had the idea of selectors, but you didn't have technically a manager like we do today. You had five selectors. You had, um, there was a, a very interesting commission set up in 1971 by some very eminent people within Limerick uh, to, to ask the questions to why we'd been unsuccessful the previous 30 years, the, the period from 1940 to 1971. And they came up with a very prescient report regarding preparation of teams regarding championship structures regarding selectors and one of them was about having a much smaller number of selectors and perhaps having a manager so by the time 1973 came along especially after the the aftermath of uh, 1972 and the debacle in clare um they they brought uh, the county board convention at the time um, elected 
the selectors, not un, very much unlike today. So, you know, 19th century was very much a different time and place, but that had been the structure of how county teams had both been uh, constructed and selected up to that stage. Jackie Power and Dick Stokes were the sort of the dream, the dream uh, pair, somewhat similar to the current uh, John Kiley, Paul Kinnerk. Uh, the brains and the beauty, or the beauty and the brains, whichever way you'd like to say, like to phrase it. And then there was a selector from each of the three other divisions, uh, Sean Cunningham, Dennis Barrett, Jim Quaid. So it was a group of five. But Jackie Parr was elected by the selectors as team manager. Now, team manager at that time was very much only a term. It didn't really count. Ultimately, the, 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 the team was managed and selected by these five selectors. And there was only really two other people involved in the preparation of the team in 73, which was Mick Cregan, uh, Eamon's brother, Eamon's slightly older brother by, by over a year, and uh, a gentleman called Vincent O'Connor, who was the masseur. And he also acted as a makeshift medic. So really, at the time, there was only seven people involved in the sideline in Limerick, those seven people. Jackie, at that time, had already immigrated down to Tralee and was deeply involved with Austin Stacks. And that very year, Jackie Parr managed or trained the Austin Stacks team to their first county senior football championship since, I believe, 1937. So that that connection between Austin Stacks and Limerick Hurling was has been very strong very much since. And I spoke to people down in Austin Stacks uh, who still very much remember the the impact that Jackie and his sons obviously afterwards had on um, on that club both for both in football and in hurling terms, and so much so that in 1989 the remnants of the 1973 hurling team went down and played an All Stars a Kerry All Stars team for the opening of the Austin Stacks um, Pavilion or the Austin Stacks Clubhouse. In 89, and it's the first and it's the last time that we can figure out whether that 1973, that, that, that 1973 team played together was in that game in 1989. And I do believe that that game was pretty, pretty well contested because I, I, I recall Eamon Grimes saying to me that he felt very, very, very bruised after it because he was he was playing with a couple of lads from Kerry who had no um, who had no sympathy for the Limit lads coming down for the weekend. I'm sure there's there's plenty of snippets and, and stories like that of Jackie Power throughout the book. Um, lads, before we finish there, Liam, just for anyone that wants to, to buy the book, um, again, I'll just try to cover up for anyone that may have seen it. How how would they go about it? I know it's it's pre-sale at the moment. Well, when well, I'll when... I'll tell you about the I'll tell you about the um, launch in November, and James can give you details in about because James is dealing with the the orders for the moment. So. We have a launch planned for the 5th of November at the Woodlands House Hotel in Adair. Uh, we hope that uh, most of the, the 73 team will be there and the mayor will be there uh, and ourselves, of course. Um, 5th of November, it's a Sunday at 6 o'clock and it's, a, it's just a chance to celebrate and remember these wonderful, wonderful uh, players that give so much to their county and continue to do so in terms of role models and stuff uh, as well because we've had the pleasure of getting to know these guys over the last... Uh, eight or nine months and they really are top top class men and we really are so lucky to have them with us you know um before i hand over to james to finish up um just like to thank again our colleague niall he couldn't be with us this morning with work but niall you'll see that he's worked with the graphic design with the images um fantastic work so james will give you the order details now 
Thank you. Just before I go into the other details, guys, I'll just tell you two other things from 73. Just to add what Matt said, um, we have two photographs of Jerry and Eamon Ray in direct, in direct competition with each other. So Eamon did start in corner forward, but he wasn't going well in corner forward and he was moved in on top of his brother. And there are two very grainy newspaper images from the game where the two guys, number three of London, who incidentally played in white that day because the two teams usually play in green and they bought it to switch. So London switched to the Kildare. I killed uh, Limerick. I uh, sorry, London had a, a, a set of Kildare football jerseys, which they switched to, and Limerick switched to the blue of Munster GA. And there are two pictures of them in direct competition: number three white and number fourteen um, green. The other thing is I want to say clearly is to a large number of the younger people who would be reading this book who would have very little knowledge of 1973. The key incident in the year really was the 70 from Ritchie at the end of the Munster final. And having spoken to the referee who's still very much alive, uh, Michael Slattery uh, outside Clare Castle, he is absolutely adamant that the ball was clearly between the posts and over the bar. And that any, any question mark about it from any other source is wrong. The ball was over the bar. It was a score. We won the Monster Final. End of story. As to how you can pre-order, there is an email address, 1973 Limerick Book, all one word, 1973 Limerick Book at gmail.com. You send me an email and I will send you on the pre-order details, which you we would much prefer if you paid by either Revolut or PayPal, by pre-ordering, you are guaranteed an advanced copy of the book pre-launch. Uh, the book is going to be nearly 2.5 kilos in, in total weight. It is very, it is a very large book. It is both, as Liam said, a coffee table, but also the definitive history of that year. And as Matt has already said, haven't seen a soft copy. We introduced the, we don't go straight into 1973. We talk about the years before 73. We talk about the minor successes, the college's successes of the mid sixties. We talk about the five league finals. We actually played five league finals in a row between 1970 and 74. We speak specifically about the Munster final of 71 and the league final of 71. We even won an Oireachtas in late 71, which was a very big deal for the players. 72 to the debacle in, in Ennis. We speak about the 10 games we played in the league in 72-3. We speak about the league final on Friday, Mick Graham uh, breaking his leg. We speak about the four games, Clare in June, Tipper in July, London in August, um, and Dublin in September. And then we talk about the aftermath. We talk about the year after and a, you know, and a few different events that happened, the All-Stars, the trip to the States. And we also have a full statistical record of both the league and championship of that year. So every single person, every single man who played for Limerick that year is mentioned in the book. There are action shots of most of the players that played in 73. And we've thrown in a lot of what we call side stories, sidebars, just interesting snip, snippets from the time that was both on and off the, 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 the field in and around Limerick and nationally. So I feel that it will act both as the definitive history of 73, but also that you can just open up the book and just watch and look at the pictures. And I think people will get an idea of the, the year that was just by looking at the pictures. We also have a small website, 1973limerickbook.wordpress.com, where we are posting material which didn't get into the book or didn't fit into the book. And also you can contact the authors or contact the pre-order facility using that website. So 1973limerickbook at wordpress.com, 1973limerickbook at gmail.com. 
Lovely. Thank you very, thank you very much, sir. For the, the flow down there. Congratulations again, again to the lads. But James, you might tell us, um, there are two very worthy charities set to benefit from the proceeds of the book. Correct. So what's going to happen, Matt? Thank you very much for that. Uh, the net profits. This is a totally voluntary project from our part. This is a labor of love. This is our way of giving back to both to the players of 73, but uh, but also to Limit Jane in general, and that we were given, got the energy purely from, or mostly from the success of the current year that we were for we were down for so long that only only the winners seemed to ever write the history, and we were almost perennial losers. But that that has changed, and, and the warm has turned, and now we can start writing our history. And we've all of us are now two inches taller for the last five, six, seven years of success of the of the of the current wonderful team. But also, it gives us the energy to write about our past as well. And this is the perfect uh, this is the perfect opportunity to do that. The two charities are the Children's Ark in University Hospital Limerick, and also the local chapter of the Society of Vincent Paul in Limerick. So the profits, the net profits from the book will be split down the middle between those two charities. So the more books we sell, the more money we'll be able to give to those two charities down the line. Brilliant. And, and we felt that uh, a locally produced book about locally produced heroes, uh, people, uh, locally local charities should benefit from that. And that, that was the mantra. Right. So, so thanks very much, everybody, for your support. And buy your book. You won't be disappointed. No, I and come to the launch. Yeah, but definitely come to the launch. But it's definitely one for as you get closer to Christmas, and it's very early to send the sea word, but it's definitely something that over Christmas will have plenty of time to read about as we gear up for a potential five in a row. But we won't get ahead of ourselves. We'll remember the heroes in 1973 that, as you said, kept the dream alive. James, Liam, thanks very much for Hopefully your time. Hopefully the fifth, lads. Thanks very much for your time yeah. and support. Thank you. Perfect, lads. Thanks we'll talk again soon. Thank you. All Thank you, Matt. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, that was Liam O'Brien and James London telling us about the 9th century keeping the dream yeah, alive. Like, I, I just want to say, I, I want to congratulate the lads again because, as I say, I have the distinct advantage of having lived through it. And if ever a book captured what happened in a particular, you know, a particular event, and the event being that we won the Munster and All-Ireland Championship, and, you know, this really captures it and like they, they 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 set out the genesis of it you know um we, we saw the success in 71 that was the immediate um sign that something was happening but as james referenced there at the end you had the success of limerick cbs in 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 the um in the um in the 60s like winning the hearty cup on a regular basis um very much like Art Skull Reach now and winning the Croke Cup, you know, the, the way Art Skull is, for, is feeding into it. And that, you know, produced some great players like Eamon Cregan and Eamon Grimes and those. And you also had Limerick contesting two minor finals in the 60s. Like, whilst the period of the 60s may have been fallow at senior level, we contested the 63 final and um, we were beaten by Wexford in what I think is the highest scoring um, um, All-Ireland minor final ever. Um, I think we scored something like 418 or something and lost the final. And then we were beaten in the 65 final. We were beaten by Dublin in the 65 minor final. So, like, they would possibly have been the green shoots, you know, but... Um, 
Um, the 71 was probably the catalyst, but like the whole thing is captured so graphically, so accurately. I have the advantage of seeing a soft copy of it. And like it, it, I, I, I would say to people, it's an absolutely compelling read. It, 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 it's a compelling book to have for the simple reason for the read copy quality and also the photographs. As Dean O'Brien said, they are two thirds of which he reckons have never been seen. And like they, they mm. were certainly new to me anyway. And as, as somebody that lived through it and as somebody that devoured newspapers all my life, but particularly after winning in All-Ireland the first in my lifetime, you know, it, 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 they, 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 you, you just, Jack, you would have to live through it uh, to believe how they've captured it. That, 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 that struck me from the very first chapter. Like the painstaking research that has gone into it is simply, simply phenomenal. And like, you, you know, and as James London said there, um, it was done on a voluntary basis. And to think, you know, that the sweat of their brows on, 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 on this production, like is going to benefit two great charities. So like it, 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 it's just it, it's just wonderful and it it's look for any GA fan in Limerick Jack, it's a keepsake, it is a special keepsake, and it as 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 I said whether you lived through it or you didn't, it absolutely captures to the T uh, what happened that year and how it was brought about, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, no, brilliant undertaking by the lads there. And it's not the, the first time they've combined forces for a book that we talked about, Illustrated Tales and Terraces, one that, you know, that was shot Ireland final, I think, in, in 2021. So there's plenty of good books from the lads, and I'm sure this will be no different, Matt. But talking to Hurling, it was a very busy weekend in the in the championships. Now we have some outstanding games, as I said at the start, due to weather. We concluded the senior championship. Um, outright over the weekend. Now, there were so much games to go through. We might just take an, an overview of certain games. Finishes with Napiershik beat Kilmallock to, to top the group. Kilmallock had already into the semi-finals. Patchwell beat KP, who were already relegated. KP, or Patchwell finished fourth. And Dune beat a hand in one of the bigger games. That means Dune will finish third because of the win and a hand. Arrows just briefly on the top six. I know you were at Dune versus a hand. I think overall, you probably would feel there's a missed opportunity, but doing or keep trucking away, even without all those players missing, and they're into quarter final, and and you'll be you know they're a dangerous opposition now. They they've had two heavy beatings, but they've won their other three games fairly tight, and you wouldn't want to play them in the quarter final, which Munger will. But just overall, the the final standings in Group One, what do you make of it? Yeah, I I I I, I suppose. <laughs> very predictable. It's the seventh year in a row, I think, that we've had the same four. If I'm right. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um I was at the Dune um a hand game. Jacket, it was a disappointing game. That you know, there's no sugar coating of it in terms of hurling. But I suppose you know, a hand came in with a, re a realistic chance of lowering Dune's colours, but it, it didn't happen. And like with Dune ahead by a goal at half time, having played with whatever breeze there was, um, and a hand to get the first two points of the second half. You said, Hey, presto, this is going to be. Um, 
a cracker. Now, the quality of the hurling in the first half was poor because I think the tension over sort of, you know, superseded everything because the, the stakes were very pretty, were, were so high. And, um, but no, Dune dug in and like, Jack, I, I cannot for one minute hide my admiration for Dune. I just can't because I was just checking the records only yesterday. Like the six defenders that Dune had in last year's concluding stages of the championship. And let, let's name them. Mikey O'Brien, Tom Hayes, um, um, Chris Thomas, uh, Patrick Cummins, Richie English, Josh Ryan. They're without them all. <laughs> They've had yeah. to rebuild their defence. You know, yeah. and as the competition has gone on, they're, they're getting better at improvising. Cormac Ryan has gone back, cornerback is very, very solid there. Owen Fitzgibbon has a new lease of life. Eddie Stokes moved to centre back against the hand, I thought was outstanding, as was Darrell yeah. Donovan in the previous game. So they're improvising, but they have an attack, Jack, that is very, very sharp because you have Adam English who plays at midfield. You know, you Barry Murphy who's coming back right to form. You have Ryan who's playing well, and you've Dara Stapleton. You know, providing, uh, providing fantastic experience. Got a very good goal at the end that sealed sealed the deal. And then you have the the, the like of Kevin Maher and Donald Donald Cotland. Like, they, like, doing are still a formidable force. As I said from the outset, Jack, when they beat Patrick's well. Uh, the one message that we got from Dune, and I had seen him winning the league, and they were down eight or nine players that time. But actually, you know, we haven't spoken about Dean Coleman either, who's out as well, who's gone abroad. Yeah. But um, about the strength and depth that they have, like, I, you know, if if you have a team that's going to be without six players, if they're spread over the over over the field, like if you couple of defenders out, couple of attackers out, maybe a midfielder out. You have a better chance of carrying it, but when your six defenders are out, it, it it's just unreal. It, it's yeah. it's hard to comprehend, and they're still surviving. They're still surviving. They have, they have won three games, and I'd be very very slow to bet against them getting to the semi final, and who knows after that. But um, it was a disappointing game, I'd say from from both sides' point of view. It was a question of getting the job done. And Dune succeeded in doing that. Now I am only on hearsay from 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 the other two games, but I I think I'm right in what I'm hearing, um, that neither Napierschig nor Kilmalik used the sub. Yeah, I saw that already. I, which I which, know what which, which must be a record. So you you just wonder what's that all about, you know? Um, so look, I'd say there was a bit of shadow boxing in that one because both will have eyes of probably meeting, um, you know, further down in the competition. But you know, there's other stuff going to have a say in that. And for Patrick's well, from a Patrick's well point of view, Jack, it was a question of just getting the job done. Now, fair play to Kildare Palace, Henry. They put it up to him for 40 minutes. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, gave them gave them a few scary moments, but you know, they 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 eventually got the job done. But if you permit me, Jack, I I would just like to to revert to section two because the, all the real action was there, and like you know, I headed for a dare on Thursday night, 
for the final round game between South Liberties and Gary Spillane, which was a de facto relegation battle. Yeah. Jack, I just, I just couldn't believe what was unfolding. I was in commentary with John Kyo. Um, I, I just couldn't believe what was unfolding in front of our eyes. Like we had, here we had Liberties who couldn't buy a win, who mm. were goal shy, and they hit seven goals. And mm. five of them, Jack, are very, very good quality. And of course, the big news before the game was the return of Anthony Nash. Yeah. You know, who made, made a big difference. And like Jack, when you're in the trenches, and you know, we've said in the past that relegation finals take on a life of their own, and by God, did this one take on a life of their own because Gary Spillane would have been favourites coming into it. They were one point better off. They had they had drawn with Mungret St. Paul's. So, you know, they had to get credit for having something, you know. When, when, when you you know, when you're in a situation that both of those teams were in. You need to have your big players stand up. And by God, did Barry Nash, Anthony Nash, I mentioned him, Barry Nash and Tom Ryan in particular. My God, did they put on some display. Barry Cooney was very, very effective in the forwards. But what they did was, Jack, they inspired a great team performance. They lifted everybody with them from 1 to 15. And, and you were asking yourself as the game progressed, you know, you'd be pinching yourself and you're saying, hey, how are South Liberties in this position? But now, having said that, Gareth Belan got no semblance of rhythm going at all. Like, you know, their, their, their whole challenge, you know, felt like a house of cards. You know, they, 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 they were disappointing in so many aspects of, of, of the game. Um, their defence was run ragged, and um, you know, um, you know, it, it was it, it was worrying from Gareth Plan right from the start because um, uh, Liberty's got an early goal from Tom Ryan, and and, um, it, and midway through the half, Callum Sheehan got a very good goal for Gareth Plan, and the sides were level. But after that, Jack, it 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 it, it, it unleashed. A reservoir of inspiration into um in, into South Liberties and and they drove on and had four goals on the board at halftime and were eight points clear or something like that, and um, disappointing game and that was one sided, but Liberties yeah. played some very very nice hurling you know and talk of keeping the good wine for last Jack, you know a team that was goal shy in the first four rounds, you know here they come up with seven I think that was the no, no other club has come up with seven goals in in uh, in a championship game in this year. I'm, I think I'm correct in that in the yeah. in the inner championship. Yeah, no, it's of course, you, you were with me. Um, you you were with me as I was recovering from a fall in the Clahan Soil, which you were laughing at. Um, uh, um, I asked you okay first, and then I started laughing. Yeah, yeah awful, and, and didn't stop for most of the match actually. But go, I'll forgive you for that, Jack. But um, um, yeah, like we, you know, I thought in my view, the conditions were monsoon, Jack, for Barry Brown and Mungret St. Pauls, and I, I think those two teams defied it. They absolutely defied it. 
because there was quite a bit of quality hurling in that game, Jack, despite the conditions. Mm. And certainly um, most of the quality in the first half came from Bally Brown, yeah, who had the advantage of a breeze, and it, 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 it reflected on a six-points a half-time lead, like, which could have been narrower had Mungret St. Paul's shooting not left them down to a certain degree on a few occasions in the first half. But about 10 minutes into the second half, it was like you turn on a switch. The Mungret rhythm started. And I, I thought Mungret in the last 20 minutes, now they emerged winners by three points. I thought they were very, very worthy winners with, with the way they finished the game. And they played some very, very hurling, good hurling. Now you've been eulogizing Mungret here here um, for, for most of this campaign. And I hadn't seen him until the other day, but Jack, I was quite impressed with him. Quite impressed. Yeah. Now, they, they are youthful. They are youthful. But again, they're big players. And you talk about big players in situations like this. And you had Josh uh, um, Patrick Begley, who was absolutely immense. And what about Liam Lynch? A goal and 12 points. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I saw... What it really changed me for the Munger to this was because I'd heard from like I have friends in Munger, obviously, and they said they had a team coming. And I saw them in 2021, they played uh, Maru Bohor in the first round of the Premier Intermediate Championship. I'm fairly sure it was Lee Lynch's debut at that level. I don't think he would have been eligible before that. And I was thinking, there's a right team coming, like, and that's only tr two years ago, really. But they have so many quality players, like Barry Duff has been phenomenally good this year from his brother, um, Rory midfield with him as well. Like, you know, they're they're a formidable duo, forwards, defensive unit. They're a really balanced side. They're not reliant on any one player that, you know, certain teams can be in the senior championship. Um, I, I just thought at the start of the year, I thought they'd get up or I thought they'd get out of the group in the quarters. I wasn't sure they win promotion, but Curly deserved it over the course of the year. And you kind of mentioned them getting into a rhythm. They did that against Mon Lee in the previous round. And I thought if they could do it again against Belly Brown, they'd have enough. And they did have enough. And, I think they were fairly comfortable down the stretch, even though it was only three points. I don't think Conor Bryan had a save to make. And, I mean, there's more players coming there. They will be formidable. And we'll, we'll get into it now, Matt, because they're into... Yeah, Jack, just, just on that, and um, they, they, you're, you're, you're right there. Your analysis is right. They saw the game very, very comfortably. Like in the last six or seven, they took the lead in the 54th minute for the first time, I think, wasn't it? With yeah. Liam Lynch's goal, and like I, 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 from that point on, I didn't see where the kick was going to come from Bally Brown to rescue it. Yeah, the, Munger just kind of the defense was very solid throughout. I think Bally Brown were extremely accurate in the first half, but once Munger kind of tightened up a small back there, I don't think they ever looked like conceding a goal. And Munger missed a couple of chances. Well, Josh O'Reilly made a couple of very good saves, and Paul O'Brien had a good chance as well for a goal that. I suppose O'Reilly did well to kind of show him down the line, but a deserving win for Mungret, and now they have the the chance to play Dune. I suppose, Jack, a, before we go, before we go on to the quarterfinals, we, you know, we must give a shout out for Adair. Um, they they missed out on getting to the quarterfinals by two points, uh, and I suppose Bally Brown were in similar circumstances. I think twelve months ago, when they just missed out on scoring difference as well, it's. It's it, it, it's hard to take now. They 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 looked as if they were getting the job done. They needed a twelve point turnaround. Yeah. And 
when Ronan Lyons came up with the goal in injury, um, or Larkin Lyons came up Larkin with the Lyons. goal in injury time, you know, it, it was just heartbreaking for, for, for a day because, um, you, you know, they, they, instead of getting a 12-point turnaround, they, they won the match by seven. They only got a 10-point turnaround. So they missed out on the quarterfinals by two by two bare points. So, you know, it, it's not a nice way to go out of the competition, you know, not a nice way not to have another chance. But, you know, I, I, I have no doubt, um, you know, they 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 they, they they will come back stronger. But um, overall, Jack, I suppose, you know, Group A, predictable. Group B, less so, because I certainly thought that Bally Brown and Adair were the teams most likely. I hadn't seen the surge coming from Mungrus. Uh, uh, but, um, it, you know, I thought that there, there, there were some very good games in Section B, but... Um, it sort of fizzled out a bit and, you know, there was probably less riding in it in the last round than there was in the other, in, in Section A, but um, look, overall a decent championship. Um, I wouldn't be shouting to high heavens about it, but a, a decent championship and, like, we, we hope now that from next Sunday on that the championship will really catch fire because you know, it needs to be ignited at this stage. Yeah, it was a good championship. There were some really, really good games, and then there was kind of some games that were very poor to watch. Like I'm talking about, Patrick Patrickswell. One of the first games we had was a brilliant game, and Kilmallock versus Patrickswell was similarly good. Bally Brown and Munger the other day was very exciting as well. Bally Brown there was exciting. Munger there was exciting. The games in the top teams did kind of deliver, but. Yeah, there was, there was some kind of dead rubber games. But as you mentioned, Sunday, we're into the, the quarterfinals, Matt. We have our six teams remaining in the hunt for the Daily Cup. Doubleheader on Sunday. We're back in the two scale crowns. Both games streamed live by Limit J TV. I'll leave the link to watch that in the description below. But we have Dune versus Munger St. Paul's and Bally Brown versus Patchwell. Starting with Dune versus Munger St. Paul's, you know, Munger are coming into the game on the crest of a wave. They're, unde they're the only team undefeated in the senior championship. Four wins and one draw. Dune have three wins, but two heavy losses. As you said, without their first choice, back six. Like, there's a real opportunity here for Munger to take a scalp. So, I, how would you see this one playing out? I'll get your prediction in a minute, but just on the game itself, Matt. Because you could look at it either way. Like, it, Munger could easily be seen as favourites, or you could have Dune as your perennial favourites that they get to the semi-final early every year. Um, Jack, what, I, what I'm seeing is uh, a Dune team with the capacity to get the job done when necessary. They, they suffered a very heavy defeat to Kilmallock in the first round, bounced back seven days later and beat Patrick Swell, who had beaten Napiersig in the first round. Then they suffered that awful heavy defeat yeah. to Napiersig in round three and bounced back five days later, just five days later, Jack and beat Kildima Palace Tenery. And like, Dune's backs have been to the wall in every game this year. Because their backs were to the wall last Saturday when they went to Capamore to play a hand. Lose the match and they were out. Like, despite those two heavy defeats, mm. you know, the last thing Dune will want was will be those two results to define their season. 
And I, I, I think Dune are going to be quite formidable on Sunday. When they get into the Gaelic grounds and they, they have experience of it there, they have experience of what it takes to win quarterfinals. Now, having said that, I was very impressed with with um, with, with uh, Mungret St. Paul's. Um, the, and, um, you know, they have a youthful team that is coming along very, very nicely. But I, 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 I just wonder, are they far down the road enough in terms of development to take on a seasoned team like like um, like Dune? I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, um, no, a lot will depend on, um, like, the Dune, uh, the, we lauded the Mungret backs there a while ago, how they, they saw the game. But, like, you, you know... They will have to step up up a level when your fellas like Adam English, Barry Murphy, um, Pat Ryan, and those around the place. You know, big threat now. Aidan O'Connor was a huge threat for Bally Brown. Yeah. But I, I, I think it at this stage of their development, fantastic to get to the get to the quarterfinal. And of course, they will be looking at the uh, they will be looking at the template of what South Liberties did last year when they became the first team from section. Be to beat a Section A team in the knockout stages of the championship. So um, they will be taking heart from from that. But I think Dune are overall so well seasoned. I I think their defence has been restructured. It hasn't been restructured. This has been rebuilt from the ground. Yeah. And I I, I see. I think that um, they have the greater scoring threat in that they have. More players that can possibly hurt you than 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 Mungret. Now Mungret are going to make it awfully awfully difficult for Dune. There is no question about that. But I I have a feeling that in in at their stage of development at this stage of their development that it just might be a bridge too far for Mungret. Yeah, it is. It is extremely early in in their development. As we saw, they're only two years out of. Premier Intermediate, but on a, on a normal day, if Dune had their, their first set 15, it, well, there's a, there's a high possibility they wouldn't even be in a quarter, they'd be in a semi, but I just think there's a huge opportunity there for Mungert, and I think they have really good defenders that can try and keep a hold of those exceptional Dune players. I think Adam English has been phenomenal this year for Dune, but just a, I have a slight feeling for Mungert that they can, they can make hay while they have a chance against a really depleted Dune side. It's also, they're going to play again next year, regardless now, because they're in Group 1. So they'll want to lay down that marker. And I, I think they they definitely can win. Dune will be favourites. But I've backed Munger every game this year. And they've only let me down once. And that was the draw against Gary Spillane. But, so before we get into predictions, Matt, we'll just see where we are at the moment. So this is how we went last week. You got further ahead. Um, I backed Kilmallock and Pearshig won. You had that. Both had Pat as well. Both had a dare. We both had Gareth Spillane to, to, come, to come good and, and secure safety with uh, South Liberties. Won that game. I had Mungert and you had Dune. So you're gone four points ahead or five points ahead of me there again. But to get into this weekend's predictions, Matt, starting with that first one, Dune versus Mungert St. Paul's. I think you're edging towards Dune. I'm heading. I'm edging for doing by two points because, uh, as as I say, um, I I have seen I I've seen doing 
at least three times, Jack, in the championship. And um, um, I, I'm certain I saw the disappointing game against um, against the Premiership, but I'm I, I'm absolutely in awe of their resilience. Um, and um, you know, I I I I I think that it will it it will come. To, I won't say their rescue, but it will come to their assistance again. Um, next Sunday in the Gaelic grounds, and I, I think they'll win the game by about two points. Yeah, it's bad to back against Stoon after resilience, as you, as you said, they've shown this year. But I'm going to go with Munger by two points. But I think it'll be a cracking game on Limerick TV this Sunday at two o'clock. And then equally so, we've the intriguing battle of neighbours, Bally Brown versus Patrick Swell at four o'clock on Sunday. Expecting a really, really tough battle here. You know, Cashman neighbours will always bring that. It's repeated the 2016 final. Patrick Sweller probably seemed to be a bit, a bit further ahead than Bally Brown. I think it's fair at this, at this stage. Bally Brown missed out on promotion. And they'll be really eager to bounce back from the disappointment of losing to Mungret as they play another neighbour in Patrick Swell. And I'm expecting fireworks here. And I don't, I don't think it'll be very one-sided. I think Bally Brown will, will play their part in this game. Well, of course, it's not a, just a battle of neighbours, Jack. It's a battle of parishioners. Yeah. The two, the two ends of the parish. It's a parish derby as distinct from a local derby. And, of, of course, they, you know, Dune, uh, uh, for Bally Brown anyway, they won't have forgotten the 2016 county final when they met and when they were overwhelmed by Patrick's Well. Patrick's Well, likewise, won't have won't have forgotten being overturned by South Liberties at the same stage of the competition last year. And they will want to ensure that there, there, yeah. is, there is no repeat of that. You know, fairness check, Patrick Swell, to a certain degree, have, have blown hot and cold in this championship. You know, just for the viewers oh, to say, like, they started off with a win against the Piercing in the first round, which was deserved. You, you were doing commentary on it. Yeah. Uh, in, in seven days later, their colours were lowered, lowered by depleted Dune. Then they beat a hand. And then they lost to Kilmallock in what was a classic. Without question, the best game of the championship. And like they, they, they were troubled for 40 minutes by Kildaimo Palace Kinry, who were already predestined to, to, to relegation um, last weekend. So would the real Patrick's well stand up would Jack yeah. if you can boast among your ranks players of the calibre of Hurler of the Year Dermot Burns two time Hurler of the Year Keane Lynch and I, dare I say Hurler of the Year elect Aaron Galan yeah. like you have the, you, you have the foundation of a very very strong side and um, and of course they're not all totally dependent on them because they have some players them the like of Mark Carmody who's vastly experienced and you have Jack Kelleher and you have the O'Briens and um you you've John Flynn, all these guys like who have who have a certain amount of experience. You have Jason Galan, a very, very, very good goalkeeper. So um Patrick's well, you know, they're not leading the role of honor for fun. Um, and like w w when you think of their championship record, Jack, they lead the Limerick Roll of Honor, 
and they didn't win the Limerick Senior Championship for the first time until 1965. So in 58 yeah. years, they've won the Limerick Championship 21 times, I think. 20 or 21 times. 20 21, times. 21, I think, yeah. Or 21. Simply phenomenal. And that is a huge tradition, and, and it's going to play into it, you know. Now, I saw Billy Brown. I saw Billy Brown a couple of times uh, this year including last Sunday. I saw him in, in their win over Gareth Balan. Now, they won the Gareth, beat Gareth Balan by five points, but um, it was a very, very comfortable five points lead. They conceded a goal in two points, uh, two points in injury time that day. And I was just saying to myself, coming home from Limerick on, 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 on um, Sunday, that very well could have come back to haunt them in the scoring difference. Yeah. You know, there was a bit of a switch yeah. off. So, you know, like... That's what happened. Uh, That's what that out. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you think, um, you know, the, the, you talk about the importance of playing out to the final whistle, and I, I think that's a classic example of it. There are a lot of good things I like about Barry Brown, Jack. I, I saw him in the, in the winning the Premier on the 21 hurling championship last year, and a good few of those players are coming through, you know. And um, Josh Adams back with him is a big, big boost. Josh O'Reilly is an excellent goalkeeper. Yeah, you know, if, really if good. If you needed any further evidence of that, then last Sunday, you know, we certainly we, we certainly got it. Nan O'Connor is absolutely in flying form, and Andy, Andy Cliff, you know, um, and... Um, like Harry Gleason and his management team have, have molded a decent team together. And, you know, the fact that they didn't get promoted this year may not be the worst thing that ever happened to them. They, they, they could come back stronger from it. I think they possibly will. Um, I think they, they, they will put up a very, very good show against Patrick's Well. But I'm going for Patrick's Well. I think Patrick's Well, with, with the experience and, of course, um, you'd say with parish rivalry and such close rivalry that farm goes out the window. It certainly didn't go out the window in 2016, you know. So I, I don't think Patrick's well are going to slip up at the quarterfinal for a second year in a row. So I, I'm, I'm going for Patrick's well to win by four points, Jack. Patrick's well by four. I have the well by five. I just think it'll be hard for Barry Brown to regroup after losing their final run game. Patswell are coming in after winning. Um, they they could have finished second if Kilmallock had done them a favour. You know they're they're going well. They've obviously had those two defeats, but are yeah that was I think they were shocked by doing. And then a classic with Kilmallock could have gone either way. They have those three hundred years. All the players you mentioned, they have some formidable players. I just think Patswell will be too strong for their fellow parishioners at this Sunday at four o'clock. Again, both those games. Around Limerick GA TV, and they're, they're two. We definitely I take it you're going for Munger, Jack, are you? Yeah, I'm Munger by two, and Patrick Bell right. by five. Right. Is, is how I see those uh, quarterfinals playing out. Very quickly, Matt, because I know we've, we've an hour up on the board already. The Premier to me, this championship, Matt, we're going into the final round. So I might just get your predictions for that final round. I'll show you the table as we stand. FN are through, they beat Brough to go through their first team into the semi-finals. Then we have four on eight points with three can join FN. Napier Street, Glenru and Capmore have been eliminated from the championship. For my rec for my reckoning, Capmore 
are out because they lost to Glenroo. Now, I read somewhere that they need Glenroo to lose and if they go 11 points, but I think the head-to-head will, will go there. So, to confirm, Capamore have been relegated, Matt? No, I can't confirm it, Jack. Unfortunately, I can't confirm it. No, I, you know, I, all I can say is that it's between Glenroo and Capamore for the dubious honour. But I thought head-to-head um, would see Glenroo have that advantage even if Capamore won in the final round. I was of the same opinion, but, you know, there seems to be some doubt about it. Okay, so we, we'll, we'll leave that as is. We just know in a pair of Glenroo and Capamore can't get into the semi-finals. We've F and True already, and then you have three from Drumatlaka, Newcastle West, Brough and Blackrock to join them. No, that, Briefly, um, that, like, you know, um, you're asking me which three of the four will come through. And, like, have you till about six o'clock? Because no, there are so many permutations. I have two minutes for you. But I'll, I will ask you to predict the games, if you don't mind, because you just have two. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But there are so many permutations, especially with the new rule that if three teams finish on level of points, it's points between those teams. So, But briefly, on F and Matt, were you impressed with them on Saturday evening? They didn't see the game. Okay. But um, I, I, I spoke to a lot of people uh, about the game. And um, look, the, the narrative about Effin this year, Jack, has been totally consistent and positive. And like five wins out of six, I think, bears that out. I think yeah. that spells it out. You know, the only defeat was the Drummond at Lacquer. And no matter, I don't think any club since the formation of that competition in 2014 has gone through unbeaten. And, and I, not, he, not even Mona Lean, who won the All-Ireland, can I remind you, Jack, were beaten in round two by Glen Rue. I don't think Diamond Palace Henry were beaten the year they won us. I don't think. I'm not sure. Or else they weren't beaten until the final when they lost to Black Rock. There was definitely one year, KP. But yeah, look, it's, it's a phenomenal competition. We always say it. And to have four teams level on points in joint second going into the seventh round tells you all you need to know. But the four games we have are Napierstig versus Drummond Atlaka. So Atlaka need a win there. Glenroo versus Black Rock. Black Rock are the ones that need the win. Capamore and Effen. With F not already true, Capamore need a win. We think that could Mikey himself. And then it's Bro first Newcastle West is the one game where you have two teams um, level on points. Now you'd imagine if you have a winner in Brough Newcastle West, it's a straight opportunity for Drummond Decca and Blackrock. If they win their game, they'll be they'll all go on to send points and then leave the loser of Brough and Newcastle West on on uh, on eight. So I think it'll be fairly straight yeah, that's it, that's but where, where the little complication comes in is if Newcastle West and Brough draw. Yes, or else. Or if there's a draw in one of the other games. Or if Drummond Laka and Blackrock lose and there's a winner in the Newcastle game, you'll have three teams on eight points. So it's a lot to get into. It'll be a really interesting round. All those games are this Sunday afternoon. I'll just ask you, Matt, for the four winners. I'll give you the game, and you might just tell me who you think. Now, I haven't you? You haven't had time to think about this, but the Pershing versus Drumnetlaka. Do you think Drumnetlaka will do their yeah, part? Yeah, I've seen Drumnetlaka playing, and I'm impressed by him. Their record is decent. I think. Uh, I think Drumnetlaka will win that one. I, 
I'll go for exact predictions here now. Um, you want uh, this is part of our head to yeah, head, is it? I will just we only have two games, so if you don't mind, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Truman Lacka by five. Lacka by five. I'm going Truman Lacka by four. Glenru and Black Rock. I'm going, I'm going Black Rock by four. By four, so I'm gonna go Black Rock by five. If those come true, if Black and Black Rock win, all they need is a is a lose or winner in the Brooklyn Castle game, and they'll be true. Then you have Kappa Moore versus Effen. Um, I'm going Effen by six. By six, which would relegate Kappa Moore regardless of what happens elsewhere. I'm gonna go Effen plus seven, and then. The big one of the round, Brough and Newcastle West, both on eight well, points. Just, just, just to give it, just to give you a bit of a background, if 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 you will permit me for just a minute, yep. Newcastle West lost the first two games. They've won four in a row. By contrast, Brough won the first three, and they've only won one of the last three. I'm going for Newcastle West by two points. <laughs> Would you believe I I had Newcastle down by two? I'll go. I'll go Newcastle by one. Yeah, I, I, I saw Newcastle play for the first time against Tromnetlaka and I was really, really impressed with them. And I said it to someone and they were saying, but sure, they lost their first two games. But again, a really well-rounded team. I think the Premier Intermediate Championship has been won by the most rounded team, not by any individuals um, over the last few years. And I think Newcastle have a really balanced side. And if our predictions, we've gone the same way in all the games, that would leave Effen, Drummond Lacka, Newcastle West as Blackrock as our final four. But it's hard to it's hard to envisage a, a final four without Brough at the same time, Matt, considering the good start they made. But that is the cutthroat nature of the Premier Intermediate Championship. But, but I mean, I, I, you know, a health warning to Brough. Glen Rue had seven points out of eight out of the first four games last year and didn't make the semi-final. Yeah, like the Premier Intermediate Championship is as cutthroat as they're going to get, Matt. Because when you consider the 2021 final was Munger St. Paul's versus Capamore. And you look now, Capamore, for, I think, are relegated unless it goes to some sort of points difference and they have a huge win against Effen, which you can't really envisage. They'll be relegated intermediate and Munger will be in Group 1 of the senior hurling champ next week and could be in a semi-final. It just goes, it can turn very, very quickly down there. Now, teams can can rise to the ranks. We've seen, you know, FNR True now, they won intermediate a couple of years ago. Newcastle West won intermediate a few years ago. Um, the Pierce are the same, now they're out. But it can it can rise and fall very quickly in that grade. And it's one that, it's brilliant to be in there as long as you can get out of it because it does seem to come with a health warning down there. But that's our, predictions for this week matt um we'll we'll stay on the trend of well hurling we'll go from hurling to camogie because we have a, a few, we are down to the the semi-final stages in the camogie championships matt with some intriguing games to be played um uh this weekend i'm fairly sure we have our, our semi-finals um group one we had newcastle top in the group with four wins from four. Last year's runners-up, Khalidi won three of the four, losing that game to Newcastle to finish second. They also go into the semi-final. Then you were there in Bal- Granabel and Gary in the Senior B semi-finals. And in Group 2, 
Ahan topped the group, uh, defending champions with three wins from three, straight into the semi-final. Um, Brough in the second with two wins from three. They're going to play Newcastle, Ahan, Vekalidi, um, and the Piercerig are into the senior B. Capamore have been relegated. So that's the lowdown of that championship match. That's the lowdown of it, Jack. Um, Capamore have been relegated. Um, they played Krikora last Sunday in what was a quarter-final relegation playoff. It was won by 4-8, 5-5 uh, by um, Krikora, who now go into the quarter-final of the semi-finals of the B. But let's start with the semi-finals of the A. And there's there's one more. Um, there are two mouth-watering games. Um, but, you know, the, I suppose the big game of the day is champions at hand, who will be taking on Kilidi. In in um, in a hand, I presume Mackie Park, and it's a, it's a repeat of last year's final, and like as as you said when you outlined there in your piece, like these two teams have only lost one game between them, and that was Kilidi losing to Newcastle West, and um, they both won three games because there was only four teams in 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 um, in a hands group, but Hand won that that three games so comprehensively, Jack. Um, they, they, they look to be in very, very good form. And then having um, having last year's runners-up in their own patch, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be a difficult um, uh, job for, for, for Kennedy. But Kennedy have a great tradition, Jack, and, uh, and um, they, 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 they're going to make a fight of it. But I, it looks to me as if a hand will, will get through um, on that one. Now, the other A semi-final is between... Um, it's between Newcastle West and Broth and West. Newcastle West. And Newcastle West are in very, very good form, Jack. Four wins, four straight wins. You can't argue with it. Broth lost to a hand, but they got they got a couple of wins against Napiershik and um and um Capamore. Um did, 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 a lot of ex a lot of current and ex um Limerick senior Komogi players will, will be will be paraded in this and I, I suppose the big news from a Limerick point of view and from a Newcastle West point of view and from, you know, will be that that, that, that uh, Rebecca Lee has recovered and will be lining out for Newcastle West. And we're so glad to see Rebecca back, um, was such a, which was such um, a loss of, um, to both Newcastle West and, and to Limerick during the, the whole summer. And um, like we, we wish Rebecca the best because in terms of, of fending off injury, she's she's had enough of it now over the last couple of years. So we wish uh, Rebecca the very best, and and um, it's great that she's she's back um, doing what she what she loves in her leisure time playing camogie and, and ladies football. So um, now the the B semi-finals, Adair, who are come after coming off of two successive uh, promotions from. Junior in 2021 and intermediate in 2022 are, are 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 motoring along very very nicely, Jack. Very very nicely. If if you if you wanted to, um, a, a blueprint for consolidation, um, they certainly have it. With they got their two wins, they're into the B Championship. It will give them time to further develop as a senior team. They're playing Krakora. Who, who got in by the back door? They've already beaten them in the championship. Uh, who got in by the back door? Will say in that they won the quarterfinal relegation playoff. I hate using this back door term, but um, they, they they got back in, and I I, I fancy that 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 they will. Um, 
I fancy that Adair will 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 get through on that one. Now, Jack, there's also the other semi-final. It, it features um, it features Napiersig and um, Branibal and Gary, Jack. And if you asked me three or four years ago, we'd be discussing the B Championship and that there'd be mention of Branibal and Gary in it. You know, you'd be yeah. nearly arrested for for going off your game, but. That's what it is. Like they are the fallen giants of Limerick Camogie. Um, so um they they, they have to travel to Napierschik on, on to Cardavan on on um Sunday. And it's it's not going to, all the games are on Sunday, Jack. Um it, it's not going to be easy for them. And there's a little sting in the tail now in the B championship as well, Jack, because we've already said Kappa Moore have been relegated. But there are two teams being relegated this year. So the second team is going to be a playoff between the losers of the B semifinals. Yeah, so so there will be eight teams. There will be eight teams in 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 um, in the senior championship next year. And I think the plan is also, um, you know. There was only six teams in the scene in the intermediate championship this year, and the, the, I think the plan may be to have that update for the coming year. But speak of the intermediate championship, uh, the two semi-finals are also on Sunday. Um, you have Monaline taking on Temple Lantern in Monaline, and Monaline, of course, were beaten finalists two years ago after a replay by Capamore. And they were beaten finalists that year in 2021. They were beaten semi-finalists by a day last year. So, you know, they have been the fancy. They're one of the fancied sides for the intermediate championship, as have Croke Kilfinney, who were runners-up last year. And they have a home semi-final on Sunday against Galbley. Now, Galbley, um, you, you know, cause raised some eyebrows in the group stages so far in that they beat Mona Lean. And, um, you know, Galbley aren't there by accident. I saw him winning the County Junior A title last year. I was hugely impressed by him. And, um, like, they, they, they're there on merit. And they're going to seriously ask questions of Croke Kilfinney. But I, I think Croke Kilfinney may just have the edge on that one. But it's a very, very exciting weekend of Camogie. One to really look forward to, Jack. Yeah, definitely an exciting weekend to look forward to. We should also I, should had... I say that the, that the Junior B plate, the Junior A cup and plate are already decided, and uh, but the Junior B uh, cup and plate semi-finals are on. So like it's a massive weekend of Camogie. Like it's a you know it's 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 a super Sunday of Camogie because we have 10, 10 semi-finals. Which is, yeah. which, which is phenomenal. Talk of the season coming to a climax. But by God, it's rapidly coming to a climax. But talk of a season coming to a climax. The, 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 the ladies' football, or am I jumping the gun, Jack? Or were you coming I was to just, I was just going to come to ladies' football. No, it's, it's interesting because we obviously one of the semifinals didn't get played. Monaghan versus Ula, and that will be on this Friday. And also there was a draw in intermediate between Galti Gales and Munger St. Paul's. So we only have half the, we only have one finalist in the senior and intermediate. So I was gonna say, do you want to go through it or do you want to go in through in full next week when we know the finalists? Well no, I I, I I I just want to bring viewers up to date, Jack, in that you're right, there was only one semi-final play, the the, the Ula um 
Montague uh, fell foul of the weather, and uh, Ballylanders travelled to Capamore, and <coughs> excuse me, Jack, um, lost to Saint Elbys. So Elbys are back in the final for a second year for a second year in a row. Now in the intermediate championship, now Kenny, who were runners up last year, were surprisingly beaten by Maru Bor. Yeah. In the semi-final. Now you're right. Kelty Gales and Mungret St. Paul's um, drew 1-5 apiece at the end of normal time. But the referee deemed that the conditions were such that, you know, it, it, it wasn't suitable to play the extra time. So that has to go to a replay. Now the, the senior uh, semi-final has been refixed for Friday evening at the North Campus in UL for 8 p.m. Now, as yeah. we speak, um, I haven't got a refixture. Um, just, just hold a second, Jack. I might have it. Um, for the semi-final, I have the semi-final here for the intermediate. It's, I have it here. Uh, half four uh, on Saturday afternoon in UL. I'm not even sure. Uh, versus. Yeah, it, it it has come in while we're on air. Um, it's yeah. it's on Saturday at four thirty in UL. You're 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 absolutely correct, and of so, course uh, there there will be a result on the day and all that sort of thing with that, you know. So we'll have our our second senior finalist, our second intermediate finalist by six o'clock on yes. Saturday evening, just in time for uh, a day full of semi-finals on Sunday uh, in the in the Camogie and also the two quarterfinals in the senior and also the last round in the parent immediate. Now, I know there's plenty of, you know, junior action that we missed out on. those intermediate rounds, but they're not finished with um with the weather causing havoc there. So, Group 2 in the intermediate championship wasn't played. There was two games in Group A in the junior and a game each then, I think, in the other three groups that weren't played. So, we don't, we have, I think we have six of the quarterfinals in the junior we have two semi-finalists intermediate and two quarter-finalists. We're missing two teams there. Um, so we might get into that later down the line. Uh, I think we... there's two junior A quarter, semi-quarter-finals down for this weekend. Oh, there actually is, because there's, there's, we know, yeah, Phoenix we know from of... Broadford and is it Caroline and St. Patrick's? No, Caroline, um, Caroline are in group Two, so they're waiting the the group A. It's Drum oh, versus right. Fina, Drum versus Fina, and Mungret versus St Pat's. But Mungret versus St Pat's. It's a City Derby yeah. and a West Derby. That's it. They're they're yeah. on this weekend. So the Junior A Championship will be down to six teams. Now the 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 Junior B Championships. Just just a quick recap, Jack. That that they're progressing in the championships. Like we have, um, for instance, we have in the city. It has been decided. Um, because um, Mona Lean have beaten Bally Brown. So the two of those will be going into the Junior B quarterfinals. In the East, um, Maru Bohar are in, in the final. South Liberties and Capamore uh, was washed out last weekend. So, but it's on this weekend. Um, in the in the West, um, Fiohana and Granabella and Gary was a draw. So that, that's being replayed this Sunday. And there are four teams still standing in the South. You have Effen and Glenru in one one semi final, and you have Camogue Rovers and um, uh, Brewery in the other semi final. So 
Um, the Juno B Championship is progressing in the Juno B football. There are four teams still in the south. You've um, Galbally play Ballylanders, Brewery play Galty Gales. In the east, it's down to the final. Um, Ula versus uh, Nakan in the east. It's uh, in the west. It's down to the semi-finals this weekend. I think your club are playing in the semi-finals, Jack. And yeah, in the city, it's still in the group stages, but it took a step forward last night when when Chahan beat Napiersik one ten to two six. So um, that 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 basically is the update of the various championships. Now the the intermediate championship, hurling championship. Um, there was a couple of games washed out last weekend, which throws it a bit into disarray, but we will be able to address it more confidently next week. Yeah, we've uh, we've a lot of time enough to next week, Matt, but there's an awful lot to look forward to over the next few days with, with all those games we've gone through. Um, we've eight minutes on the clock. I don't think there's anything else to go through before we finish, or is there? I think that's uh, that, that was enough for this afternoon. Um, big thank you to James and Liam for coming on and start to discuss our new book. Keeping the dream alive, currently in the 1973 All-Ireland final win for Limerick. Um, to those younger people listening, it must be said that there was a long barren spell in Limerick. It isn't like it is at the moment. We'll take the moment and we can look back on the past fondly, especially with those memories of 1973. Um, loads of games on this weekend, Matt. Obviously, the Senior Hurland Championship Games, the quarterfinals on Limerick JTV, probably the standouts, but we have Semi-finals in Camogie, we've refixed games in ladies football, we've refixed games in the Harder Championships. So loads to forward to this weekend. You'll catch it on the website, all, all those games. Big thank you to James and Liam, as I said. Thank you to you, Matt, as always, for your contribution. People watching and commenting and telling us that they're watching. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube to get that algorithm going for us. On Facebook, make sure to like and share on Twitter, like and retweet and all that good stuff. That's us over and out, episode 252 in the books. Thank you, Matt, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Jack. The impression again, we get old with what you put into. It's like a walk of life. If you're good enough, go and get it, no more about it. But not so much control in the centre of the field from Kilkenny as Richie Bennett sends it high and over the bar. Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pounds worth of goods, can you? Just about kept in. Oh, well, Charlie Buckley. Two down to Tomas O'Shea. He deserves to score from here. One of the highlights of the second game. Let me out there from the world court today. No more about him. They made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the barrel, the fact of it, and that's it. No ifs, no buts. Is there much time left? We have a couple of injuries. Here comes Kieran Curry. Curry leading the Sympathy in this game for anybody. 